were you expecting such a searing, like, social commentary from Rudy Ray Moore? So this is my second Rudy Ray Moore movie after watching Human Tornado last season, and I was not expecting this. I mean, after watching Coffee, maybe I should have assumed that it might be a little more dramatic or darker in themes, but from Rudy Ray Moore, this was not my expectation. For the record, I was not picking two black exploitation movies thinking they'd be so similar in tone about like drugs ruining the community, but that's what we got here, Jesus. Yeah, with the title Disco Godfather, I was expecting like a one-man disco quest to f*** as many women as he can. <laughs> There was surprisingly little sexuality in this. Like, none at all. After watching him with Tornado and seeing yeah. how much he bones down and women want to bone him, I thought that was going to be the plot of this movie. Yeah, it was not, though. Uh, welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And uh, we thought today we were going to be talking about a lighthearted, hilarious uh, black exploitation uh, vehicle from the legendary Rudy Ray Moore. But instead, we got, again, just this, like, very anti-drug social commentary about how PCP is fucking up the community. Yeah, angel dust is not cool. It's uh, whack. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we've learned. <laughs> attack the whack. Whack the attack. Which one is it? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Um, this is not what I thought. You told me we we're coming into a comedy today. I thought this was going to be a funny movie about Rudy Ray Moore laying pipe. And <laughs> Dude, I, I, don't, I didn't remember... Any of the super artsy elements or the extremely dark ending also hit me out of left field. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since you've seen it then, I assume. It has been. There's some hilarious parts and we're going to cover all of those. But before we get to all that, we have to mention the beer that we have paired with this movie today. This one, very special. We originally had this back in our first season. We were going to talk about Disco Godfather back then. Unfortunately, COVID happened, shut us down. We had to drink the beer before it went bad. We couldn't record but we brought it back this time thanks to producer John, Montreal resident. What's the beer we've got today? Yeah, thank you, producer John. What a legend. So this beer is called Disco Soleil. Translation, Disco Sun. Perfect for the Disco Godfather. Um, and this is from the Dieu de Ciel Brewery. Um, translation is Good Lord. Uh, which is kind of funny with our Disco Godfather connection as well. Like, Good I think, Lord, what a movie though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've got... Uh, a pretty sweet connection here. This is an awesome craft brewery out of Quebec. They have a brew pub in Montreal, and I think their main location's out of St. Jerome, um, where they do most of their brewing. They've been around since 1998, I think, was when they started. Oh, wow. So they've been in the game a really long time. One of my favorite craft beers of all time is called Moralité, and it uh, is an IPA brewed by Dio de Ciel. So I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about them on our podcast and that we're going to be including them. We took a trip to Montreal to visit our friend, Producer John, and did stop by the brew pub there. We have been to this one, yes. Had some good beers there. It's a pretty cool kind of small, uh, intimate brew pub with just so much stuff on tap because they brew all kinds of stuff. They, they say that they are bold and they like to do exciting beers and... They want to value people and have them shine. And I thought that connected to our Disco Soleil today here. So, Well, I'm not super excited about this IPA, but uh, we'll see if it shines. Why don't we crack it open right now and we can get started? Oh, you're going to love it. Look at citrus kumquat, it says on the uh, fucking can. Why did you, why'd you hit the <laughs> part of that so hard? Because <laughs> that's what I thought we were going to see uh, Rudy Ray Moore do, all, oh, all movie. But yeah, all right. yeah. So we open with some delightful disco music, and we fade in on a disco ball spinning around. A graphic insert tells us that Rudy Ray Moore is the <laughs> disco godfather. Yes, yeah, so it starts off on a hot note, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure Human Tornado also started off in a club. I think that one might have been a little bit more comedy, and this one more dance. But we have some great disco happening here. We've got some excellent stuff on the dance floor. We've got some interesting camera angles. We're getting some POVs from the dance floor. Yeah, like from the perspective of the dance floor, looking <laughs> up at the people. Yeah, yeah. we got the disco ball, and the ceiling looks to be covered in aluminum foil. It's really weird. We've also got a full round of opening credits. This is like classic 70s style. We talked about this when we watched Theater of Blood. You get most of the credits at the beginning. I noticed some truly amazing names uh, Fitzhugh Houston was one of them, <laughs> along with Poochie Jones. Yeah, there's some great names in here, both of the characters and of the actors. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is something. Quite a cast. 
And the first thing we get, as you mentioned, is some D-floor action. We've got different couples dancing, different patrons having a good time, and then the DJ introduces the one, the only, Rudy Ray Moore. It's the disco godfather himself, and he enters with his own theme song. I'm going to go ahead and give you 90% of the lyrics right here. He's the godfather of the disco. He's the godfather of the disco. He's the godfather of the disco. (laughs) He's the godfather of the disco. That's about it. That's most of the song. So at this point, I'm fucking loving it, right? (laughs) We we come in. He's wearing this glorious blue jumpsuit. Like, it's got it cut down right to his fucking It's the deepest V you can possibly have. Yeah. If you go any deeper, his going to be hanging above the V. He could pull it out if he wanted. Like, it's one of those where it's kind of just, like, suggesting it's available to come out. And it's not really. It's all sparkly. You see his full, glorious, like, not terribly fit body. But what we know about <laughs> Rudy what we know about Rudy Ray Moritz, uh, he doesn't give a fuck. He's he a confident man. He'll hang it out there. Yeah. And so I'm enjoying this so far. They call him the Tower of Power, the Man of the Hour. And yep. he gets up there and he starts rocking the mic. Yeah, he slides into the DJ booth and he's firing off some of those trademark Rudy Ray Moore rhymes. He also encourages all of the dancers to put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. Wait. What what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm not sure. It is definitely the sort of most common line that he throws out there when he is being the disco godfather, right? And it's hilarious. I'm loving the put your weight on it. I'm loving the dancing (laughs) and the mood that started right here. It's pretty good. Um, He calls in his crew to sort of hit the dance floor a little bit. God, at different points this movie, much like in Human Tornado, we see these different like performances. It's almost like it's this movie's like a variety show almost. Now it's like now watch these dancers. Now hear this person sing. Here's someone else to tell jokes. It's just this like stream of like performers who just do their thing, and their thing is so oddly of this era. It's like of the 70s. It's interesting because it's not something that you expect to see in a movie, right? Like you said, it feels more like a variety show. I was kind of ready for it this time. I think it took me aback in Human Tornado because I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, isn't this a movie where we're supposed to follow characters through a plot? And then we would get all of these interludes of comedy or dancing or other stuff and I would be confused by it. Yep. But I was ready for it here. This is just trying to set the mood, get the audience going, get everybody kind of happy and into a groove. And so far, things are great. They are, but in the middle of all of these people having a good time, we see one group that doesn't seem to be enjoying themselves, kind of a tougher-looking crew. There's uh, a little drug talk in there, but eventually one of them, Bucky, he gets lured out on the dance floor by his date, and they seem very much in love. So right away, I'm like, that guy's fucked. It's not going to go well for him. Oh, so I was on the other set. I I wrote down that Bucky's getting lucky. Like, I thought this guy was going to head off with his girlfriend, but... They were setting him up for a fall quickly here. Oh, buddy, every black exploitation movie, it's like the friend or the relative of the main person. Something horrible happens to them that launches the whole plot. And we do find out he is Rudy Ray Moore's nephew. He is the nephew of the Disco Godfather. And he's kind of fallen in with the bad crew here. Yeah, there's a guy called Richard, I think. That's kind of a buddy of his. So Dick wants him to go try some drugs. And we don't know exactly what it is you and i were sort of throwing out some guesses we were like is it crack is it cocaine and you threw out pcps here and i called it i was right on man yeah his uh his lady friend sees him they're outside and uh richard or dick as you called him tries to lure bucky into this ridiculous car it's the most 70s um sort of like over the top interior you could ever imagine more than the car in predator 2 remember the car in predator 2 that was like king willie's uh it's, it's even more than that <laughs> oh i don't know that was a pretty special no car, no no this right. one is it more was, opulent it was pretty yeah. awesome yeah long story short bucky's lady knows if he gets in this car bad stuff's gonna happen and she even runs back into the disco to tell his uncle who is very concerned with exactly what Bucky has had. Where is Bucky? And what has he had? He tells her to call an ambulance immediately. Yeah, and and to tell them what Bucky has had. Yeah, what has he had? And you need to know... What we know about Rudy Ray Moore is his acting is fucking awful. It's not It's not great. Yeah. He's got that in common with a lot of people in this movie, though. Yeah, oh, goodness, yeah. I mean, you always have the sort of idea that the producers or directors of films always hire shittier people to be around the star. And if Rudy Ray Moore is our star, he's got to hire like 
people who have never acted before to be a part of his films. See, in this case, though, I just think he just needed warm bodies. Like, I don't think it was just like, who's around? They're working yeah. on a shoestring we budget We just need here. anything. Yeah, I they mean. They other budget on costumes. We know he pays for a lot of these movies himself, right? Or he tries to like almost crowdfund these things. So I don't, I don't fault him for that. Um, but yeah, so we get some really bad acting. Uh, we get her panicking and him sort of freaking out about what kind of drugs he's taken. And then Bucky, what has he had? <laughs> Bucky makes an appearance in the club. Yeah, whatever Bucky has had, it's not good because he stumbles in. He pretends to dribble a basketball and thoroughly freaks out before getting hauled off to the hospital by a team of paramedics. And this is the first instance where we get these kind of artistic cutaways to the hallucinations that Bucky, well, now it's Bucky, later on be someone else is experiencing. And we're both just kind of like, Jesus, like they're making a solid attempt at this. Yeah, so this changes the theme really quickly for me, right? From my expectations of this being like a fun disco movie where he's just trying to slay, turns into a movie <laughs> where drugs are really fucking people up. We get this cut of like the disco godfather turning into a skeleton slash zombie woman for our character Bucky, right? Like he's trying to help him, but what Bucky sees is these like creepy skeletons. We both fucking shit our pants laughing though the first time it happened. Oh yeah, the transition is incredibly sudden and hilarious because it's like a it's like a doctor's office skeleton. It's not yeah, like it's oh, not very well it done. It didn't go well. It reminded me of the sort of quality of horror that we saw in Deathbed from our very first season. That's fair, yeah. Right? Like full. just super low budget, um, using mood, but not really effects to make you sort of feel the scariness. No. Now we get a little scariness in the hospital. This hospital they take Bucky to, it's basically a black version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Only all the people are on PCP. And yeah, this drug is like the scourge of the community. And we see from more of these artistic cutaway shots that it has a very tight grip on Bucky. This is weird. So this um, place where they go, the sort of hospital where all these people who are suffering from PCP addiction or overdoses is a strange place. I like the connection to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because it definitely shows a lot of people who sort of aren't connected to reality. They show some dark sort of backgrounds of some of the people. One was a woman who served her four-month-old child to her family. And then we see a younger girl who's sort of struggling and her family is there, her mother, and then a bunch of sort of religious people Deeply who are religious, to save her. Yeah. Um, so we're getting some interesting connections here. Um, they transition to Bucky in a bed too, and he's still sort of struggling with demons, but he seems to be apart from all of the other people who seem to be long-term connected to the PCP issue. Except they have him strapped into the bed, so he must not be doing that well. Yeah, it's so this is where it started feeling a lot like coffee. You mentioned yeah. the connection between our other one, and, and we go from what we think is going to be, or what I thought was going to be sort of a lighthearted fun movie to Rudy Ray Moore going to fight the PCP trade. He's going to use his knowledge of the streets to help him. And what we find out is he even has more knowledge than that. He was an ex-police officer. Yeah, he decides he's going to clean up the streets. So he heads to the police station to see kind of what they're doing about this angel dust situation. He's also there to let his old lieutenant know that he's going to be investigated on his own and he doesn't want any interference the lieutenant agrees, and as he picks up the phone to make a call that he does not end up making, he gives this serious monologue about how there's only three things you can do to piss off the Disco Godfather, and one of them... One of them is to mess with his family. He's going to turn over every stone in this city until he finds a main man. When he does, all hell is going to break loose. They never tell us what the other two are. This monologue is hilarious, right? He's yeah. trying to set the scene for what's happening. It's also funny that the lieutenant, and I mean, this is probably social commentary, but the lieutenant is a white man. With he, dead eyes. With Oh, dead eyes, for sure. But the one thing that's pretty cool about the Rudy Man movies is almost all of the actors are black. I think he's the only white guy. Other than one guy we see in some of the disco scenes kind of dancing, there's no other white characters in this movie. Which is awesome for the time, right? Even today, that would be so, to say something, right? To see Again, those kind of movies. Again, this is the whole, the exploitation genre. This was just representation on the screen, which is why audiences put up with movies of, let's say, dubious quality. And I would definitely include this yeah, one. Yeah, but it's interesting they chose him to be white because he was the lieutenant, right? They wouldn't put a black man in that role at the time. Um, and I guess that is social commentary in some way, right? In this case, I suppose, but there's a lot of black exploitation movies where there is a black actor in a prominent role as like a lieutenant or like a yeah. chief of whatever. So it's not it's not unrealistic. The part that kills me is the lieutenant never makes the phone call. He picks the phone up, turns to the camera, starts talking, and then we see him hanging up the phone as he's wrapping up this monologue. Like 
Has that never happened to you? Have you have you never um, sort of picked up the phone to call someone and then gotten into a conversation and then forgotten completely who you were trying to call? That's one of the many pre cell phone uh, issues with this movie. Picking up a phone to make a call, you know what I mean? Like that's so weird. It is funny. Well, the fact that all the phones were rotary dialed, they, they had were. to fucking <laughs> spin were. their rotary. It definitely aged it for sure. Back at the disco, we meet a lady reporter who is there to report on the disco dancing craze. The disco godfather asks her to mention the PCP problem in her article, uh, which is going to happen, I guess. She's going to put it on the front page. What fucking newspaper is putting out a front page article on disco and PCP? (laughs) It is true. It was funny how she just threw that line out there. Obviously, that's she's going to make it a big story or that's what she's trying to say. But I would assume, like, the stories that get into Los Angeles newspapers have to be a big deal. Like, that's a really huge place. Yeah. We don't know what paper she's writing for, but I'm guessing it's not like the Los Angeles Times. Either way, we get now just an incredible fight scene. After the reporter leaves, the uh, Disco Godfather's assistant, I guess you'd call her, Noelle is her name, she tells him there's a couple guys here from the phone company here to fix the phones, but they haven't been having any problems with the phones. So he rightly suspects that they are there to spy on him, and he marches into his office and basically starts fighting them in the most hilarious way. Some of the best parts of Human Tornado are the fucking amazing fight scenes. Kung Fu, buddy. When he unleashes the Kung Fu. Yeah, when he unleashes the Kung Fu in this movie, it is tremendous. So there's two guys in there. He knocks down one really quickly, and then he takes down the other. And when the other guy's on the ground, he punches him in the face twice, and we just get this glorious blood splatter everywhere. One of two in this movie. The guy, it's like he was holding a ketchup packet in his hand, and when he hits the guy's face, it just explodes everywhere. It's immediate. Yeah, which was hilarious. Then he starts putting him in like an arm bar and threatening him. He wants him to tell him who they're wick for and what's happening here. But then he gets clocked in the back of the head by the other guy who gets up. Yeah, he lost track of the second guy, which is a problem. So we don't really know who sent them, except we find out immediately it's the guy we meet next. Stinger Ray is his name. He's uh, some kind of criminal who's looking to start his own basketball league. And I was like, is it the ABA? Is this guy trying to start the ABA? <laughs> like, is that what this is? He did mention the NBA and how he's going to take all the players who uh, don't fit into the NBA. So it was an interesting kind of idea here. Um, you can tell right away that he's the drug kingpin, right? They well, don't, yeah, they, they don't tell you that, yeah. but you know that. Be- no, based they do. On the they do tell us that. We find that out almost immediately. Well, that's true. They don't tell you that in the interview, but like almost right after the interview, we go into that information. Well, and we also get to see their setup, their production facilities. Which uh, calling these production facilities low budget is an insult to low budget things. This is like as bare bones as you can get. Yeah, I mean, Breaking Bad puts this to shame. Oh, fucking clearly. Yeah. It's basically two tables and, like, some plastic jugs. Like, I yeah. feel like oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not a major league Someone operation. stuck a women's symbol on something, and then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get another extended uh, disco scene here featuring the disco skate dancers, one of whom has the tightest shorts that a person could possibly wear. I had a lot of trouble taking my eyes off of his penis because it was like oh, yeah. coming right out of his pants the entire time he was rollerblading. When he did the splits and then also <laughs> spun around in a circle while <laughs> with the other uh, oh, dancer. No, hang was, on. <laughs> Listen, I, to steal a joke from Jerry Seinfeld, if I had to give a police sketch of this guy's dick and balls, they'd pick him up in about 10 minutes. That's, that's what, <laughs> this, is, this is just a hell of an extended sequence uh, here. We find out that the Disco Godfather is organizing an event to draw attention to the whole PCP epidemic, which is in conjunction with a couple of other community groups. What they're going to do is they're going to attack the whack. <laughs> oh, are they going to whack the attack, though? Well, this is the thing, man. We get to that event later on, and like his right-hand uh, assistant there, Noel, she fucking botches the phrase. She keeps saying they're going to whack the attack, and the banner behind her says attack the whack. Like, come on. She comes off the podium laughing, I think, because she fucked up the line, and they didn't want to replay it. Like... This is where we're at right now. To be fair, there were a lot of extras in that scene trying to trying to get everyone in the right place again to keep going. I don't know. But they fucking botched it immediately. Yeah. So Disco Godfather, along with the Angels Against Dust, are working together here to try to sort of get some community following to stop this uh, sort of drug pandemic that's happening amongst the community. Yeah. Well, we also, this is kind of intercut with a weird exorcism scene where the religious family that you mentioned from the uh, hospital earlier 
tries to literally perform an exorcism on their daughter to like get the devil out of her. Yeah, this is a strange scene. They're just walking around her and they're chanting and sort of like talking to God and reading a lot of these weird cuts sort of, I guess, from her perspective of the skeleton and zombie and like weird blackness is what being on PCPs must be like, or that's their interpretation in the film. I mean, certainly that's the way they frame it in the film. Now, this event that the Disco Godfather runs gets the attention of Stinger Ray, who decides to uh, bring the Disco Godfather in for a conversation. So he calls off the hit that was planned to murder the Disco Godfather. But where will they be able to find him? It's back at the Disco, of course where we have yet another extended sequence. Now, in this one, the gold jacket that Rudy Ray Moore is wearing is just <laughs> fucking incredible. So we're back at the disco. I like the disco scenes because they're kind of fun, but at this point, I'm wondering why they're there. They're too long. I'm really struggling with how they're moving along our plot about trying to stop this problem and wondering whether we need to have 10-minute disco scenes interspersed between him trying to fight this problem of PCP in the community. Well, this movie hits 94 minutes, so I feel like they definitely needed some of these scenes to keep things respectable. You know me and my theory. I know. These ones are fun, but they don't at all fit with what we now know the movie is. Like, there almost shouldn't be any disco scenes other than the one at the very start that introduced him. But I don't... Well, hang on. Without disco scenes, what are you going to call it? Just the Godfather? That name's already been taken. <laughs> I guess you're right. But I don't understand why this movie is called The Disco Godfather. I suspect like, disco was just popular. And they were like, we'll get some extra eyeballs on this because of that. So if we throw in some disco because we're like around the time of disco popularity, then we can make it about anything we want. Well, regardless, two police officers show up at the disco. We're not totally sure what they're doing there, except two other guys on the dance floor pull some guns and are aiming them at Rudy Ray Moore. And immediately those cops shoot those dudes dead. So it seems like maybe they are there to stop this hit on Rudy Ray Moore, which is what Stinger Ray ordered. And all I could think of during this time was these two dudes just died because there are no cell phones. Like Stinger Ray literally had to send two guys to kill the guys who were supposed to kill Rudy Ray Moore because <laughs> he just couldn't send a text. Yeah. He couldn't send a text. It's true. That is hilarious that that is the way that it was before. It would have been so much easier to call that off if you could have sent a message. This is the choppiest, least well-edited scene in the entire oh, movie. Oh, it's so fucking weird, man. They do these weird, like, freeze frames and, like, strange cuts where they're going for something artistic, but it just creates this sense of confusion, at least on my part. It sounds like on yours as well. Yeah, it just seemed like they fucked it up. Like, it almost seems like it was so poorly cut to me that it wasn't meant to be this way. Yeah, yeah. It's like when, because they used to have the dual-layer DVD disc, and when you'd have, like, when it would switch layers, you'd get that moment where the thing would just, like, pause in exactly. the middle of, like, a scene. That's what it felt like. Yeah, but it was, like, seven of those all in a row. It was clearly an artistic choice, just a really strange one. And I guess, like, again, they're just trying shit, right? I don't mind that. I don't mind they're trying stuff. Um, we might have been confused, but Rudy Ray Moore was not even a little bit confused. He knows exactly what this was. He knows they were there to call off the hit. And, like, thank goodness that he put this together and explained it because I was totally lost at this point. <laughs> You're having trouble. Um, it was weird that the cops came in and then took out the hitmen without having him have that conversation with the lieutenant after to clarify for us that they were on the take, right? They were working for Stinger. It would have been difficult to know what was going on. I would have had no idea, man. From there, we go to Bucky's Oscar reel as he tells <laughs> the doctor all about how he fucked up his life. This is by far the most dramatic scene in this movie, unless you count the end sequence, which I'm not even sure if you can classify that as something. And it ends with the doctor questioning the existence of God when he says, Where are you, mister? Are you with us or just in our minds? <laughs> I'm like, wow, we suddenly are going just full bore dramatic here. They are really, really reaching for a lot here. And because of the budget and because of the other things that are in it, it's hard to take it seriously, and it, it makes it a strange tone to me. Oh, it, tonally, this thing is all over the map. Like, we get these alternating scenes of comedy, just once highlighting disco dancing, and then this, like, jarring drama. So, yeah, it's everywhere. One thing I know for sure is the Disco Godfather needs more support for his one-man war on PCP, so he goes to talk to some old guy who I guess is, like, a community leader, and this scene is just straight padding. <laughs> I was going to throw the P word yeah. out there because I didn't understand why it was there, really. Because there wasn't a lot of people who came to support him after he went to talk to this old man. We do find out that the old man gets taken out later. 
And so maybe that was a bit of like we needed to introduce the character before it was taken out. But, but it, why? But why? Rudy Ray Moore, he doesn't need more reasons to go after PCP. They've already no, fucked up his nephew's life. It's already like, there. I, I agree. I don't know. It's strange. So he tries the old man, and that's not. We don't see that working. Who else does he go to talk to? Well, to the, the next scene is also padding. It might also be padding because he goes to he busts into some party. At Sweet Meat's place, that's the character's name. We saw it in the credits. We were like, "Sweet Meat, what?" Uh, I love the yeah. name Sweet Meat, man. Oh, I man. I thought it was going to be a female character, but uh, it was not. No, yeah. that shows you. Don't yeah. make assumptions. I know. No, the Disco Godfather thinks this guy's part of the problem, but he isn't. I guess it's not clear. Rudy Ray Moore does find a pile of what I thought was cocaine on a Saturday Night I think Fever it, soundtrack yeah. album, and he just blows it away. Yeah, Sweet Meat's house is full of people that Rudy Ray Moore knows are, like, in the criminal underground. And so that's why he goes there to tell them to shut it down. But they all sort of tell him we're not in this PCP game. And it seems like they're not. He does blow coke everywhere. And then we get a cut of, like, all kinds of people trying to, like, sniff coke off the floor as we exit the house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and from there we go to a cleaning up the streets montage, which, if I'm being honest, it's a little rough. These scenes are not great. I mean, you know how I feel about montages. I love love them. them, But uh, this is not really doing it for me. We're we're really struggling in this momentum of the film. I'm having trouble feeling the dramatic parts of this right now as we move through this one-man fight on crime. I, I think it worked better in coffee for me than it does here. I agree with you for the record, but that's because coffee didn't have those scenes of comedy. Yeah, it didn't part have of the, the confusing part. Yeah, yeah, is that we're all over the map here, like you said, like tonally we're shifting every few minutes. This this montage it ends with Rudy Ray Moore dropping off a dog at someone's house, which I, I didn't know what that was in reference to. We never go back to it again. Old Bob is the name of the person who's given the dog to. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, is this just that there were a lot of ideas that they had put out there and or recorded? And they didn't have an effective way to cut or edit it so that it only included things that had continuity. Maybe. Or like I, I just keep going back to maybe they maybe they had the story. They filmed the story. They were like, oh, fuck, this is 72 minutes. We got to put some more stuff in here. What can we do? The next scene at least makes more sense. Uh, it's a party at Stinger Ray's place where he tries to convince some basketball players to ditch the NBA and join his league. He also gets some bad news about the Disco Godfather putting pressure on his organization. And just then, we cut to a police bust, but one that sadly turns up nothing. Yeah, so I guess Rudy Ray's character, the Disco Godfather, had gotten some information about this being a place that had PCP. But unfortunately, Stinger's guys had uh, heard first that they were coming, so... Uh, they got the word out and they clean up the place before they could put the bus down. And this does not look good for the Godfather. No, he thinks there's a leak in the department, which we'll find out more about later. But uh, you know what we haven't had in this movie yet? A sex scene. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've complained about this already. Uh, <laughs> well, I was expecting more of it based on what we saw in Human Tornado. And just what I think of when I think of the 70s and disco is a lot of free loving. And that's not <laughs> happening here. <laughs> well, we get a little bit right now. There's a little bit of something, uh, including like some very noticeable and aggressive thrust by Rudy Ray Moore. He's putting some hips into Noel right now. He's she, putting his weight on it. Yeah. Put <laughs> your weight on it. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's not Noel. Is that Noel? I think it was. Uh, I thought that's who he was in bed with. Um, and so he's kind of like just got on top. He's thrown down maybe one or two thrusts. And then unfortunately, we get a knock on the door. Yeah, and she begs him not to answer the door. She begs him at least. She's like, she's fucking writhing in like anger as he pulls out. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, when you have a dong that's the size of Rudy Ray Morris, it's hard when it gets pulled out, right? It, it like it goes from throat to toes. So oh, you feel Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, it's and it, it's the police at the door. I guess that old man from earlier got murdered. Was that old Bob? Was that the guy with the dog? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, now it's Rudy Ray Moore's turn to go for the Oscar. And this is the point where I realize I don't think I know what's going on anymore, and I haven't for like the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm following the film. I, I understand the things that are happening. What I don't understand is where we're going. I don't know how they're going to solve this problem. I don't know if this is going to end in a positive way or if it's going to end poorly. I, I really don't know what direction we're taking here. I mean, I assumed it was going to end in a positive way just because it's Rudy Ray Moore and it's like he's a comedian. This is like most of the other stuff is like lighthearted, but... That makes sense to me. Yeah. So so we have that interaction with the police. They interrupt his f- session and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to transition 
over to our dirty cop. Rudy Raymore thinks he knows who's on the take, and he's going to have the lieutenant help him try to figure it out. He does. Now, they bust a couple of other members of Stinger Ray's gang right here, one of whom is the guy who's been supplying Bucky, that guy Richard. And from there, Rudy Raymore, he's been obsessing about the badge number. He noticed the badge number on these cops show up at the club, and with the lieutenant's help, they figure out one of the men involved in this. It's an officer named Kilroy, and they summon him to this apartment which by just by showing up, it proves he's dirty. And now they've got him. They've got him like dead to rights. But what does he do next? This is a, a rapid transition, right? They catch Kilroy. They figure out who it is. And then all of a sudden, we transition back to Kilroy's girlfriend in their bed. We get the first kind of like semi-nipple shot in the movie. You kind of see it through the, uh, the cup of her negligee. Yeah. Uh, she walks into the bathroom and we just get a really poorly acted scream. Uh, where we see Kilroy has committed suicide. He has sort of slit his wrists. In like a soaker tub. This bathtub was tiny. It yeah. Blood's all over He's him. like all crammed up to it. It's almost like he's just like jamming himself into a bidet for some reason. I'm not, <laughs> it's <laughs> don't a really small bowl. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really tiny, and I don't understand why. Um, but I guess because they've found out that he's in on it, he killed himself. I didn't understand that. Yeah, he's going to go to jail, and as a cop, you can't go to jail because you'll get like, assaulted or killed in jail or worse so i don't know so he just ends it i guess so he ends it but um, why did they let him go they had him yeah i don't they know caught him it's like really how did he get out of there they don't explain a lot of things they in this don't. section we start moving really quickly here despite all the padding you've talked about we're we need to get to sort of the ending pretty quick well, they could have stretched out some of these scenes instead of giving us the other stuff i i don't disagree but this is what's happening it is stinger ray does not like this turn of events he's not sure if kilroy talked so he decides to uh, hole up in his warehouse and put the hit back on the Disco Godfather. And they grab him right away. And by they, I mean a cowboy? Yeah, this is the third white man in the movie. He's a cowboy. Really weird. Why, why is he a cowboy? He's got full fucking chaps on. Yeah. So this weird white guy with a bad mustache, a cowboy hat, and chaps. And like the full getup grabs Rudy Ray Moore. Uh, he starts driving away with him, and Rudy Ray's sort of, uh, I don't know, Rudy Ray's... His team? I don't Rudy know. Rudy Ray's you, team yeah. kind of drive behind him, but the uh, cowboy threatens to kill him if they don't back away. So Rudy Ray waves him off, and then we get a showdown in an alleyway. Yeah, the cowboy decides to have some fun with Rudy Ray more before he kills him. He pulls out a whip, but this all goes sideways when the Disco Godfather just grabs the whip and like pulls him into a fence, which... The second he hits the fence, we get another just like blood explosion. The side of the guy's head explodes. All this blood goes over the fence. Then he breaks the guy's neck. Of all the action scenes in all of the Rudy Ray Moore movies. Well, the Rudy the, Ray Mooreverse? Yes, exactly. Yeah. We've seen. This has to be one of the worst. Like, I can't believe how quickly it ends for this cowboy. If this guy is so threatening and then all of a sudden he just fucking dies by smashing his face on a fence and then getting his neck stepped on. I mean, Rudy Ray is pretty uh, ruthless here in the stomping. Not that I blame him because this guy was out to kill him. He's been through a lot in his defense. From there, we're off to the warehouse where Stinger Ray is trying to destroy the evidence of their drug production. And this is where we get the big action piece. Rudy Ray Moore arrives to take on a whole gang of goons when suddenly some random guy shows up and is like, hey, man, you need some help? Like, wh what the fuck? I laughed my ass off. One, Rudy Ray is fighting several people, throwing out these kicks and punches that are clearly not hitting, but they're putting them on their ass. Oh my God, they're not even close. When Howard shows up, and I don't know how Rudy Ray knows his name is Howard. Well, yeah, by the way. he doesn't. He doesn't they know never his name talk. At all. Random guy shows up and asks what's going down, and he says, This is about Angel Dust. And Howard says, I'm fucking on board. Let's kick some ass. Yeah, he yeah. just starts. <laughs> in the two of them are just shitting on the goons. It's so, so funny. Uh, this is a plus one to enjoyment for sure. Yeah. Just having this scene in the movie made me so happy. This is what I wanted more of. Yes, like If I this agree. whole movie was Rudy Ray Moore like, pulling off this stupid kung fu shit and having random people get his back and also kick ass at the same time is so good. I wish there was more of this. And we got a ton of that in The Human Tornado. But yeah, this is kind of like the first one of these scenes. And it, it is great. They mow through like 12 dudes. But then, like, this is this is the low-budget part that kills me. 
At one point, we get footage of Rudy Ray Moore like running into the warehouse. We only see the back of him. He's clearly not like talking or looking at anyone, but we get what is obviously post-produced audio of him being like, Thanks, Howard. I'm going in for Stinger. You take care of these jokers out here. Even though Howard never told him his fucking name. The guy never says his name. No. Uh, Howard is just a sick-ass kung fu man in a fucking blue jumpsuit. Like, that's all we really know. But I love that, I guess maybe they know each other. Like, that's the only thing you can determine from this thing, is somehow they know each other. They don't connect this in a way that makes sense. They don't tell us his name. We can't assume this we can't make this This only leap. needs to make sense to Rudy Ray Moore. It doesn't need to make sense to anyone else because who are these movies for? Rudy Ray Rudy Moore. Rudy Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also us. I'm enjoying this. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it, but yeah. who is this movie made for? It's Rudy Ray Moore. It, it's, it's a fucking jerk-off session for Rudy, and I love well, it. Well, now, Good he's, for Rudy. he's got an artistic vision. I don't fault Good him for, for Rudy. that. I agree. He rushes into the warehouse, and this is where he's going to square off with the biggest and baddest of Stinger Ray's goons, a guy by the name of Doomsday. You mean Chainmail Mungo Jerry? I was going to say, he's huge, and he's got basically a Chainmail version of Mungo Jerry's shirt. I'm so excited. I, you don't know <laughs> I how happy I am. I was listening to In the Summertime the other day, because you know who's awesome? Fucking Mungo Jerry. <laughs> that guy kicks ass. God damn it. Apparently, this guy, Doomsday, has never been defeated and he takes out the Disco Godfather. They go back and forth a little bit, but the Disco Godfather just can't bring him down. He knocks out Disco Godfather, and they try to kill him, or cause him to freak out at least, by attaching a gas mask to the Disco Godfather's face with a hose that is just piping PCP into the mask. Angel dust, the same angel dust that he's trying to destroy. What a turn of events. Yeah, shit is going downhill for the Godfather here. This scene is also being interspersed with the exorcism again of the girl uh, back in that sort of hospital. Um, the exorcism seems to be going well, though, right? It we goes great. They fucking cure her, apparently. Yeah, we're starting to see that the exorcism is working on that girl, but we're also getting now that Tucker, or the disco Godfather, has been exposed to PCP, a bit of a descent into madness for him. This sequence is so trippy. We get just all kinds of hallucinations. And like you said this when we were watching it, this sequence is indescribable. It's impossible to describe what's happening. Just these like ghoulish old crrones and like his mother and his aunt and like... It, there, there's it, too like much to say. Animation? This is, they bring some animation in? They have like hired an animator for this? And yeah. Like, it's so strange. It's really interesting, this scene that they went through. This is really getting artsy. Just really interesting and scary cuts. We get a lot of him screaming here or reacting to the scary things he's seeing, which is... I mean, we get a lot of expression out of Rudy Ray Moore, and usually it's in kung fu and or like pleasure <laughs> and lovemaking. Yeah, yeah not not in fear or like agony or strange moments. So it's interesting here. He really goes for it. We get a lot of him screaming and reacting. It's deep seated emotional stuff. It's really artsy. Like yeah. this is this feels like an attempt to reach beyond what would be his traditional audience or maybe he feels like his audience like wants something that's yeah, a little maybe, different yeah maybe pcp was actually a massive concern he's trying to shine a light because this whole thing is like a psa for like you know not smoking angel dust this just like bucky bucky and the boys show up to help and you know the cops are there as well but all of this this sequence of him like hallucinating this aunt who he used to hate and like abused him maybe i don't know like this all ends with Stinger Ray just choosing the worst possible time to run towards Rudy Ray Moore when he's envisioning his aunt running at him and the Disco Godfather like chokes him out. He's trying to end his hallucination and or aunt. He's got Stinger Ray by the neck. Luckily for Stinger Ray, we get some people who come in and kind of Yeah, Bucky rushes in. Save him right now. Breaks the breaks the vice grip of the Disco Godfather. For a minute there, it seems like the Disco Godfather is going to overcome this PCP triumph over it just by sheer will. And he has sort of several times in it said, like, shake this, out this of this. This must this be in your mind, mind yeah. right? Like, you can tell that he has been fighting it and he knows kind of what's happening. And you assume as a person watching the movie that the hero is going to win here in the end. But the movie ends with Bucky telling him they're going to take him to the hospital and Rudy Ray Moore just screaming... You're not taking me nowhere. No, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. Take your hands off of me. 
And then we get a freeze frame. But like not a fun one. No, with him, we're in the credits. With him screaming on his way out, getting pulled into treatment for PCP. The weirdest part to me of all of this is that the credits go right back to the funky disco music from the beginning. <laughs> so like <laughs> if anything, you're gonna end on this yeah. this fucking like almost vaguely cliffhanger-ish, like, is this guy fucked now because of this gas mask? Like he tried to do a one-man war on PCP, but in the end, he's become a victim of it. Like, go to silence. Run the credits over silence or like some like gentle piano music, Hello, something. Darkness, my old friend. Don't they couldn't afford to license that? Come on. <laughs> but like the same like up tempo disco music, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. It's it's a weird choice. I mean It's bizarre. That tells you about the bounces around of themes in this movie, though, right? Like it kind of epitomizes what this film is. But I mean, as I was watching it, I was kind of like, is this really well done? I I don't know. I think that they probably felt it was for the time. If their intention was to make the audience uncomfortable and to sort of stress how chaotic PCP was for people, I think it was effective. I mean, if nothing else, it shows you kind of the danger of it, just that he got like, I mean, I guess they were pumping a lot into that gas mask, but like a one-time exposure and he might just be fucked now. They're going to take him to like that fucking hospital and like he's out of control. I don't know, man. Yeah, we're going to see what happens here. He was fighting against well, we're, it. Well, we're not, sadly. Like, well, that's no... true. I wonder, it was, so, I know that there was Dolomite, and there was the Human Tornado, and we've got a bit of connection to some of these movies. Was there anything that followed up from this movie? There was no direct follow-up. There was no Disco Godfather 2 Electric Boogaloo. Oh. Which, of all the, of all the sequels. I hope that would have been the sequel have where he it. just f***ed a bunch of women. Like, that's what it should have been. You know, right? I, you know? much like yourself, I expected a movie that was mostly Rudy Ray Moore. I knew there'd be some sort of criminal element involved, but I just thought, like, maybe someone's going to try and, like, horn in on his disco territory or, like, put him out of business. He's got to fight them. This descent into PCP madness, really yeah. out of nowhere. Like, I, I really wonder if there was some external event Weighing on Rudy Ray Moore, was this really a problem in the black community of like the late 70s, like early 80s? It it's like really 90s? interesting to say. I don't know. Um, even if this was about sort of an underbelly of drug use in the disco world, it would have been better connected. But this went so far away from the disco side of it and fully into a one person battle against drugs that it pulled away from the title and the theme and the feeling that I thought going into this thing. It's really weird. I agree. And as someone who'd seen the movie before, I was fucking confused. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't remember any of the, I remembered him dancing in the jumpsuit. I remembered the fucking theme song. I remembered some of the hilarious fight scenes and whatever else and his, some of his hilarious fucking lines. But I did not, for the life of me, remember all of the trippy PCP dream sequency stuff. So I don't know, man. Rudy Ray, guy just fucking. I mean, we know he does what he wants. He shot his shot on this one. This was a very dramatic movie. And you have to kind of commend him for going for what he believes in, right? Like, clearly, all, he has final decision on what most of this looks like and how it ends up being put out. And he must have been happy with what this was. Well, I tell you, let's see how much you commend him as we move into our <laughs> ratings because the movie is over. It's time for us to rate it. The way we always do this, we rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. We do it two times, 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or as we call it, the Crit 20. And I'll be honest, it's in play for me because much like the Human Tornado, this movie is 10 out of 10 bad. God bless Rudy Ray Moore. That guy's got a vision and he tries to bring it to the screen, but... The combination of just like the extremely low budget, his limitations as an actor, and the seeming inability of him to find anybody else in the world who can fucking act when he puts them into these movies, they're all terrible. I was completely lost for huge parts of this. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to describe this other than some sort of attempt to spread an important message that got thoroughly outmatched by the lavish excess of disco. I was lost. The acting was bad. There's just glaring continuity errors. Basically, all the trademarks of Rudy Ray Moore. I love the guy, but this is a terrible fucking movie in terms of production value and coherence. <laughs> it's 10 out of 10 uh, bad. What do you think? You're right. It's a 10 out of 10 bad. There we go. There's no debating that. Uh, acting, writing, script, the transitions, 
the like fuck descent they went into in some of these weird scenes. <laughs> yeah, man, it's so weird. It, it felt like watching scenes from uh, the bed that eats from Deathbed, <laughs> Deathbed yeah. yeah, which was strange at times. I guess we're gonna move into enjoyability now, and it's hard because my, I think my expectations of what this was going to be are very different from what it turned out to be. Yeah, and to be fair, I think I kind of hyped it up to you when we were talking about watching it, and that could be a little bit on me. There were some things in here that added to enjoyability only because it was new in terms of unpredictability, in terms of some humor. I don't think it was intentionally humor, a lot of the stuff <laughs> well, that was You there. never know with Rudy anymore. Yeah. You never know. I mean, the music was good. Like, I, like They really leaned into the disco side of it, and that's always fun. I love that he writes songs that are for him and his movies. I enjoyed myself. The ride was the experience, right? The movie itself really sucked. It didn't, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? Like It was a bad movie. <laughs> it wasn't clear. But the ride itself, the watching of the movie and seeing what was happening um, and seeing the different ways that Rudy Ray Moore comes out on screen is an enjoyable experience. I had it as an eight enjoyable despite all of its foibles. I thought that <laughs> it pulled enough into it it's one of those weird ones, though, where I enjoyed watching it once, but because I know what it is and what it looks like, I would have a difficult time going back to the well. I Okay, so I agree with you, and I think I've now seen this probably three or four times, and gun to my head, if you're like, I kind of feel like watching a Rudy, you go to Human Tornado. I would way rather watch Human yeah, Tornado. Yeah, and that's the way thing. Rather like, I'm, I am a Rudy Ray Moore fan. It seems at this point you would say that you are also a Rudy Ray Moore fan. Yeah, I... I like what he tried to do. Yeah. I really, really like that idea. I like that he tried to create content for himself and for people in his community. I like that he hired people who were representative of him. And I liked how much fun he had with the martial arts and the kung fu. This really needed more of that. Yeah, I this agree. This really needed more f***ing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want drama from Rudy Ray Moore. I want fun, explosive action, eroticism. All of that yeah. stuff is what I want from him. Let's leave the drama to uh, to coffee, right? Like I want that to be that style of movie. I want Rudy to have fun and just go all for it. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's clearly trying to do something. He's trying to tell some story or transmit some message to us. But much like the way I think you're feeling... I want him to be more funny and lighthearted. I wanted more of those action sequences. The sequence to the warehouse was fucking great. When him and oh, Howard, absolutely. who runs in, they're fighting those guys. The kung fu, his limited kung fu abilities are hilarious. That is the shit I signed on for. And they start so hot. They start with him in those jumpsuits and the like. The put your weight on. I don't know what it means, but I fucking love it. <laughs> and then we get into this very serious message of like the dangers of drugs. Again, I think those sequences at the end were well done. I think it really was a well-put-together series of events, but it's not the movie I thought I was getting and not the movie that the first 15, 20, 30 minutes of this made me think I was in for. They kind of pulled a little switch there on us where like the first little bit starts out fun. Yes, his nephew's got a problem. Yes, he's going to lead a one-man war on crime, but I expected it to be a lot more lighthearted. This ending is so dark. Yeah, because Human Tornado was still a war against, like, racist cops. He was still fighting against discrimination and other stuff, but it stayed way more lighthearted. When you brought the PCP trips into this and some of the other stuff that was happening, and, and the fact that it was sort of a um, person within their own community, right? Stinger was a member of their own community bringing this shit in and harming them. Felt very Again, much. That's a trope, though. I know. That's a I know that, that was trope. in coffee too. So I know that that's something that's common um, in the black exploitation movies. But it it just didn't feel right for the style of movie I was expecting to. So we're on the same page with that. For the record, I actually had it as a seven for enjoyable. But as you know, because the ending <laughs> featured a freeze frame. I bump it up one, so I'm also at an eight. So we have the same rating for this Whoa, one. There we go. that doesn't yeah. happen that often. It's rare, especially this season's been very rare. Yeah, we've had some differing opinions this season, <laughs> I'll and that's say, okay. Fuck. So yeah, um, <laughs> you know what it? though? Always a good time. We'll see Rudy Ray Moore again because the guy just makes too much hilariously bad stuff not to. But yeah, this one I think I'm really haunted by like what could have been. This could have really been something. And uh, unfortunately, I'm also haunted by this beer, the uh, Disco Soleil. What? 
What? This is just not my kind of beer. But you're going to probably just fucking shit all over it. So why don't you go ahead? Yeah, the erection I was hoping to get from the movie came <laughs> while drinking the beer. <laughs> because it was fucking delicious. This is the kind of IPA that oh, makes fuck. my heart sing. Um, <laughs> the strong, strong, strong citrus notes were wonderful. I'm not so sure that I can tell a kumquat from another citrus fruit, but uh, it definitely was there for me. Uh, it, it is a cloudy, very IPA, very hop-focused beer, so I know that this isn't kind of down your road, but I really, really enjoyed myself. I have a second can sitting beside me, which I'm looking forward to cracking into shortly, and I highly recommend Dio de Ciel if you get a chance to drink any of their beers. Listen, man, I enjoyed when we went there in Montreal, but this particular beer is just not in my wheelhouse. The the hazy IPA, those are just words that make me cringe the same way that the lack of nudity in this movie made you cringe. It's just not good. I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm still hopeful that one day that you're going to have a hazy IPA hit your lips and it's going to give you the same kind of feelings that it gives me. Based on the number that we've tried in the course of this podcast, I can pretty confidently say I, I don't think it's going to happen. Here's something else I can confidently say. Next week's movie is going to be a real crowd pleaser because I know that we have a lot of listeners who, much like ourselves, are nerds at heart. And next week's movie is going to be probably one of the nerdiest ones we've ever done. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at one of the Star Trek movies, the original ones with William Shatner, specifically Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Oh my God, I'm excited. Yeah, this one is basically a comedy with the cast of Star Trek. Really? They travel uh, back through time to Earth of the 1980s. It's a kind of a hilarious fish out of water thing as they try to like bring their futuristic sensibilities to 1980s San Francisco. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm very, very excited. I was a huge fan of the next generation. That was definitely okay. the one that I had watched them all, but I have seen a lot of Star Trek in my day. Were you a Star Trek fan? Uh, so my brother is an enormous, enormous Star Trek fan. And he would tell you that Star Trek four is not a bad movie. I disagree with him in that regard. But we were always as kids. He'd be like, next generation would be on every single day. So I kind of got a lot of it through osmosis. I am a Captain Kirk guy over Captain Picard. I like William Shatner's, uh, you know, action first fucking attitude. Uh, I know that's a not popularly held opinion. Either way, <laughs> we're going to look at me with a little side eye. Because you, you looked that. at me yeah. with a look of like, what the fuck? Yeah, Kirk. I mean, yeah, Kirk is the less cerebral of he the captains. He takes action. He yeah, got, he's a I man know. of action. I like it. He's yeah. a man of action like Rudy Ray Moore is in most movies. He also f***s a lot of aliens. So like Rudy Ray Moore does in a yeah. lot of movies, yeah, so yeah, I like exactly. it. Either way, we're going to hopefully prove my brother wrong next week when we watch it and talk about how bad it is. Um, before then, if you have <laughs> not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. Yeah, if you have any suggestions for beers or movies, feel free to send a message to the DMs of those social media or send us an email at thebnbpodcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you, and thank you so much for listening today. We hope we will uh, see you next week for Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Put your weight on it. <laughs> He's the godfather of the disco. 